I've got a couple of scriptures I want to share tonight. I'm really excited to preach, really, really excited. Uh, there's this incredible text that we preached at the beginning of the year, John 10, verse 10. And it's this one line, and it says this, The enemy, the devil, Satan, as they call him, <laughs> Satan, came to kill, steal, and destroy. And let's be honest, you don't have to be a, a rocket scientist to see the effects of the enemy's work in 2020. Most of us are reeling, punch drunk a little bit uh, from that, uh, of the effect of the enemy. He came to kill, steal, and destroy. Comma. But! No uh, as I, I once said, infamously, and got in trouble, that is, the, that is the nicest but I've ever seen, you know? <laughs> Apologize, this is church. But I love that but because it tells me that though that the, this is true, though this, we're not denying the enemy's work, there's a greater truth that comes after us. It says, but he came, Jesus came, the great shepherd came so that we could have life and life to the full. There's no asterisks there. There's no like uh, brackets saying, yeah, but not in COVID. You can have nice life, but not in COVID. No, no, no. There's no parentheses. There's no asterisks. There's, this is what God does. Come rain or shine, he says, I came to have, give you life and life to the full, the abundance. Speaking of buts, there's another scripture. <laughs> I apologize. It's been a long day already. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And it says this incredible uh, this text that's been deep into my heart in the last few weeks. It says this. The Apostle Paul's writing. He says, but. And again, I said that word but is a transition word in the Bible. If you ever see that word but, underline it, circle it. Because most times it's saying yes, it's telling us yes, there has been trouble. Yes, there has been hardship. Yes, there has been brokenness. Yes, there has been death and destruction. But then there's this transition word that Paul loves to use. He says, but, and I read it that way. I, I don't know about you, but I'm a bit ADD. I'm a bit hyper. So I read this text. I'm reading it. And I get to that word and I go, but, grabs my attention. So this is scripture. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, but, let us not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, the appointed time, in due season, we will reap our harvest if we don't give up. And I really believe a lot of us need to understand this this evening, to lay hold of this, because I know 2020 has come, finances are in trouble, emotions are feeling frayed, we're on our last nerve, uh, relationships are struggling, and you're feeling it maybe at sea, but do not grow weary in doing good, because the good shepherd still has life and life and abundance for you and I, and at the right time, the appointed time, God says you will reap a harvest. And I want to help us not to give up today. So let's pray. Get stuck into this very quickly. Father, I thank you for what you're doing with us as a community as you are building us into a, a beautiful people together, a people who will be a sign and a wonder to this watching world, to a city who is devoid of hope, but you are stirring hope and courage afresh in us, your people, so that when people see us, they would see, though they, the world is shouting disqualified, the world is shouting broken, the world is shouting a write-off of a year, the world is shouting fear, chaos, panic. When we walk into situations, we carry the butt of heaven. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. As I prayed that, I realized that sounded very weird. But anyway, <laughs> the butt of heaven. Come on, guys. Really, really nice to see you. Anyway, tonight, simple job, but something I really believe is profound. As a, as a backdrop, I want to I help us not to give up. Is that right? I want to give us a, a bullet in the chamber, if I will. I want to give you an arrow in your quiver. I want to give you a, a dagger in the sheath. When you feel your back is against the wall, you've got nowhere to turn, and you say, Gabe, I'm at my very end. What do I do? I want to give you something to hold on to. And maybe you're there and you say, actually, life's pretty good for me. Tough for these other guys, but I'm okay. Well, here's, a, here's a, some, some bad news for you. I don't think it's going to get much easier. 
Let me tell you, that in Jesus, it's going to get better. The scriptures tell us in Jesus, he leads us from one level of glory to next. He says that with him, the, the latter is greater than the former. He leaves us in triumphal procession. And Jesus gets better, but it doesn't get easier here on earth. Because he said, in this world, you will have trouble. So, but we have to know that actually we are a different people wired to a different source and a different response system. I want to help us do that today. So I want to help lift the lids a little bit because I know in my own life, I feel a little bit sometimes the world is pushing me down. And I need to have ah, the butt to leap up to have a different response. So three lids that will either promote you or placate you. But before we get into them, why don't we, I know we've got masks, but we're charismatic. We, we love to talk to one another. We like to make friends. Why don't you, with your eyes, as seductively as you can, turn to the person around you and tell to them, I'm not giving up. Come on, come on, there you go. If the seductive past confused you, don't worry about that. If you are single, look at that person in the eyes and say, I'm not giving up until I leave with your number. You know what? I can do a wedding if you want. We're ready to go, guys. Come on. Anyway, three lids that will either promote you or placate you. I want to help us move forward so we not give up. The first one is the lid of expectation. If you, there's no notes on the screen. There's no scripts on the screen. So if you've got a book, if you've got pens, if you've got a phone, take notes. Even just write these down because don't take my word for it. Go to his word. We want to hear what God is saying. But the first lid is the lid of expectation. Now, there's this phenomenal story, quite an odd little story in the, in the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 5. And it's this narrative about a man named Naaman. Naaman, and he's a general in the army. And he's this, this incredible general who he speaks and soldiers obey, he's got authority, but he's also got this terrible skin condition called leprosy, which is taking and ravaging his life and is a, is a lid on his life. He's, able, he's got this authority in his, in his workspace, but this leprosy is, is holding him back and he's, and he's feeling like he's going to be ostracized from society and he's realizing he needs something to change. He can't live with this leprosy for, for, forever. He needs something to change. And a guy comes to him and says, actually, why, why don't we go? There's a prophet named Elisha. Maybe he has something for you. Maybe he's got a word from God that'll be able to help you bust through this lid, help you bust through this limiter, this, 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 pro, this, this thing that's holding you back. So he goes, okay, let's go there. For time's sake, I'm just going to rush through the narratives if that's all right. But he arrives to this man, Elisha, and he's super excited and, and, they, and, they, and they, he's ready to go. He's humbled himself. He's gone to this prophet. He's this general with authority. He gets there and they say, they're ready to meet with the prophet of God. He's going to cure him of leprosy. And the Bible says that the prophet Elisha doesn't even come out to meet him. Oh, I love the Old Testament prophets. Those guys. I don't know what he was doing. Netflix had a great new documentary or something, apparently. A general of the army has come to see the guy. You know, church guys. We're like, whoa, he's a big deal. Let's go meet with that guy. Elisha's like, nah, man. Send my servant to talk to him. So the servant goes out and immediately offenses in this guy's heart saying, he sends a servant out to me. What, I'm a general. Does he not know who I am? So he gets there, and the, the, the servant comes and says, actually, but Elisha gave me a word for you. He says, actually, what you're going to do, if you want to be cleansed from leprosy, you need to go to the River Jordan, and you need to dunk yourself in it seven times. If you do that, you'll be healed. And again, this general, he, he like balks at this. He's like, he's like, sends me a servant, and then he tells me I must go to the local river here. I, do you know where I come from? My land, I've got incredible rivers. Did I have to travel all this way to be snubbed by the prophets and now I'd be told to dip in their little water? It's a weird, weird, strange thing. He's like, actually, this, I can't do this. I can't do this. He had expectation problems. He had an expectation that actually, and his, his reality wasn't meeting, what he was saying, seeing of God wasn't meeting what he thought God would do. 
He's so frustrated, he wants to walk away from it. But the story goes that actually his servant says to him, hey, listen, before we walk away from this, if the prophet had asked you, told you to do something really hard or bizarre, you probably would have done it, right? And he was like, yeah, probably. You know, do a rain dance, do this thing, do that thing. It probably would have made sense. But because it seems so simple, you're not doing it. Why don't we just give it a try? Paraphrased. So they go down, he goes, okay, let's, let's go do this. And the, I, love, I love this understanding. He goes down to the River Jordan. And it's this profound moment where he, he starts to do it. And can, you can imagine he's got these servants around him. He's a man of authority. He takes off his cloaks. He, he puts on that little speedo or whatever baggies, whatever you, your imagination go wild. But he's a little awkward because he's got the skin disease. He doesn't want people to see it as well. So he's trying to hide, hide to Avert your eyes, people. Avert your eyes. And he wades in feeling already very self-conscious. I know this, guys. I'm in this because as a pale, skinny redhead, I know this moment. <laughs> Avert your eyes, people. He goes into the water and he slinks into the water. And he looks around and he goes, oh, here goes nothing. And he dunks himself. One. Whoa. Comes out. Looks. Nothing. Like, this is ridiculous. Muttering on his breath. Does again. Second time. Dope. Comes up. Nothing. Three. Nothing. Four. Nothing. Five. Nothing. Six. Nothing. And you know what? I, I, as I read the story, I always go, if I'm that guy, after six times, you can imagine he can hear the sniggers. You can hear the guys. <laughs> what is Naaman doing? That, what is, this is crazy. Is he mad? And, uh, he's embarrassed. He's feeling awkward. He's, if I'm sick, he's like, okay, bring me my towel. I'm done, guys. Let's go. Let's go back. Let's go back home where I've got authority. I, I, can't, I don't want to do this. I'm being humiliated by these guys. And most of us, I think, would have stopped at the sixth time. But you see, in this moment, he carried on going, and he did the seventh time. And I love the fact that it was as he came up from the seventh time, the seventh time as he came up out of the water, the Bible says, as he came out the water, he was healed. On the seventh time. Bizarre, bizarre, bizarre little thing. But I want to help us say, very simply, I want to tell you that actually I believe there's a pattern here in Scripture that God is saying, even when you don't see it, he's working. Yeah. We sing the song, it's way maker, it's popular on Spotify or Apple iTunes or churches across the world this moment, but the, the truth is so real. It says, even when I don't see you, he is working. And I think it's something we need to know as a people of God at this time. Because if I look around sometimes, I see Trump, Biden, I see coronavirus, I see left versus right, I see all the chaos in the world, I see, I, I, even in my own life, it's bringing closer to feel the financial pressures, the emotional pressures, people in, in turmoil. You go, God, what are you doing? He's still at work. Yeah. He's still at work. Will you trust me? And I believe the call of God is saying, will you keep immersing yourself in his practices even when you don't see him working? What I mean by that, will you keep reading the word even when it doesn't seem like it's working? Will you keep praying, keep serving, keep giving, keep inviting, keep loving, keep reaching out, keep lifting your hands, keep sharing your faith even when you see nothing happen? Because God says, at the appointed time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. If I'm Naaman six times, I'm out of there. Don't see the miracle of God. But Naaman trusted the Lord and did it seven times. And on the seventh time, he was healed. The lid of expectation. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not giving up. Not giving come up. on, come on, guys. Come on, I'm not giving up. I'm preaching my hardest here. Help me, help me here. The lid of expectation needs to be lifted a little bit. Secondly, the lid of opposition. Another Old Testament narrative. In Joshua chapter six, it's this profound thing. Joshua, this is for free. Sixth book of the Bible. The sixth chapter of the Bible is this incredible story of, uh, of Joshua, and he goes, and Joshua, so the book of Joshua starts in chapter one of Joshua. He's come on the back end of 40 years of wandering. 
40 years of the desert, 40 years of going around a circle. You think six months of lockdown is bad? Try 40 years. 40 years locked out of, of, of the promised land, and the people of God have just walked for 40 years. They're exhausted. Generations have died off, uh, and they just, when the next kids come through, what are we doing? We're walking, walking in the desert, not knowing where we're going. Then they're going to head, the generation dies out, and God says, actually, you're going to go into the promised land and take hold of it. Joshua, you're going to take them. Be, be strong and very courageous. I will give you everywhere you lay your foot. That's the promise he's given. He's known 40 years of not seeing that promise, actually just battles and squabbles and fights and, and brokenness for 40 years, walking around the same mountain, never making progress. But God says there's a transition, but Joshua, you're going to walk in. You're going to see something. Everywhere you put your foot, you're going to walk into it. He gets that, that promise. But it's incredible moment comes where they come to their first in Joshua chapter 6, the sixth book of the Bible, the sixth chapter, and they arrive at this place, this walled fortified city called Jericho, and they get there, boom, Jericho standing at them, almost taunting them with the strength, and there's no way around, they, they need a, this, they have to progress through this to get to the promised land, and they sit looking at this, and they go, what are we going to do, and the nation the, the, around Joshua said, this is nerve-wracking, what are we going to, are we going to be taken out of the first obstacle, what's going to happen here, and Joshua says, Guys, I'm going to hear, let me, let me ask God. He says, God, what should we do here? What should we do? Give us a strategy. Do we go in the front gate? Do we go over the, the, the parapets there? Do we, do, we, do we have some WMDs that we do not know about? We can put, this weapons of mass destruction, by the way. <laughs> what, 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 do you, what do you have? What, let us know what we must do. And the Lord says to him, Joshua, I've got a great strategy for you. You've got to do some walking, buddy. <laughs> no, 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 we've done 40 years of walking. Are you mad? This is a different moment. You said, but you'll give me everywhere I put my foot. He says, exactly. You've got to put your feet somewhere. So he's told, you're going to have to walk around the city, around the fortified city for seven days. Once around the city every single day for seven days. Imagine Joshua telling the nation that, hey guys, who's feeling excited for some more exercise? Woohoo! We're going to do some walking. And they start to walk. But I want to say in this moment that actually when you, when you start to take ground in the kingdom of God, do not be surprised when you face opposition. Yeah. Yeah. I um, just want to tell you we have the enemy, but we have a lot of Christians who as soon as they, they I want to take a step forward for God, as soon as the opposition says, I didn't know that would happen. Whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't think that would happen. No, no, no. God, the enemy is going to try and take you out. But do not give up. There's a walk in front of you. But I want to encourage you to take heart. The intensity of the opposition in your life is proof of the power of God's promise in your life. Good. Don't doubt in the dark what God has revealed to you in the light. What God has spoken to you and promised you, He said, I am faithful. Even when you're faithless, I am faithful because I cannot deny myself. We have to trust His promises. And I really believe Life Changes City, we started here five weeks before lockdown, a lot of excitement, a lot of promises of God. Here we go. And I, I wanted to tell you actually in the fact of uh, on, on the 9th of, 9th of February, we launched the service here, launched church, super, super pumped, excited. On the 8th of February, on Saturday night on Facebook inbox messenger, I got a message from somebody who I used to know way back when. They sent me this message on that thing saying, I see you planting a church. Who the hell do you think you are to do that? I'm just quoting. That's what the message says. I thank the Lord that I only saw this on the Tuesday. <laughs> Because I'm not good at responding to messages. But I, 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 I thank the Lord for my bad admin skills that day. Because when I read it even a few days later, 
the voice in you says, yeah, who do you think you are? He knows the, re- he knows the real you. He knows the stuff you used to do. He knows the, the things in your heart because he was close to you then. And, and you start to doubt. But I go, but I thank goodness that my, my future is not tied to what people think of me or what I've done, but tied to his promises. And I want to tell you, there's opposition. Uh, this, uh, this year has been the toughest year. I mean, we, we don't even we have to take a poll, but most of us will go, yep, this has been a tough one. But I want to tell you, every revival in the history of the world has been preceded by famine, plague, turbulence, tribulation, hardship. These are perfect conditions for God to work. It just seems that the revivals of God burst forth, not when people have been ready with their constant, all the equipment's working, ready to go, God, we're ready for revival. God says, no, no, it's not on your timing, it's on mine. Do not give up, because at the right time, you will reap a harvest. This is really good preaching. I'm encouraged. I can show me your notes later, Fee. This is good, man. But you see, I love, I love this thing that actually jo- Joshua starts walking. He starts to start walking. Boom, boom, boom. First time around day one. And you can imagine the voices. What is Joshua? This is crazy. Something, something's gone wrong at Gilgal. This is crazy. What's going on? What's happening with Joshua? But he keeps going after day one, going, oh, Lord, please, may you be right. Day two, they're just dominating their steps. Discovery app is going wild. They've got Kilgai smoothies waiting for them. Sorry, I apologize. Two days, nothing. And what I love about this text is, what I would love if I'm Joshua, I would want incremental victory. You know, after day one, whoa, the walls are coming down slowly. Yay. Like Tetris, you know, day two. Yeah, a little bit more. No, no, no incremental growth, nothing. Can, can you imagine? It probably, was, probably had laughter and mockery coming from the, the guys on the, the building. Going, what are you doing? Joshua going, oh, I don't know. <laughs> but all he's doing, with every time I can imagine, with every voice that's talking, every voice of doubt, he's going, God, you said you'll give me everywhere I put my feet. God, you said you'll give me everywhere I put my feet. God, you said you'll give me everywhere I put my feet. That's all he's holding on to. As every time, he's mud in the natural encircling Jericho, but I tell you, Joshua was encircling the promise of God every time. He kept encircling the promise despite the opposition. The gates and the walls didn't look any smaller any, every day. But again, imagine, day six, the guy's like, come on, are you joking? Imagine if he stopped. Okay, day six, guys, let's give up. I'm sorry, I got it wrong. Let's all go get Nando's. It'll be fine. No, 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 no. He didn't stop at six. And I want to tell you today, will you keep walking even when it seems like it's not working? Will you keep walking? Will you keep encircling the promises of God for your life? for your family's life, what God has spoken over your life, the call of God that He's spoken on your life that may seem dormant or distant right now. Maybe the, would you keep walking around for the, the call of God He's had God for your children, for your, for your spouse, for your family, for your finances, what God has spoken. Will you keep walking and trusting His promises even when you don't see it? Because can I tell you on day seven, as they walked down, a mighty shout was let out and the walls they came tumbling down and the whole city was routed the lid of opposition. Why don't you turn to the the neighbor that you've been resolutely ignoring and tell them, I'm not giving up. Wonderful. Come on. Thirdly and finally today. Thirdly, I want to tell you, the final lid, the lid of expectation needs to be lifted. The lid of opposition needs to be lifted. The third lid is the lid of revelation. And now, if you're new to church, revelation is just a fancy word to say, only what God can do. Revelation is understanding and seeing only what God can do. And there's this bizarre text in Ezekiel 43 verse 13. 
Not one that's a popular one. You won't see this text on the back of a taxi on the way to work. You won't see this on your coffee cup. You won't see it on the back of grandma's toilet door. Ezekiel 43.13 does not make the greatest hits. Just telling you. It's heavy lifting. But there's something profound in it. Ezekiel, the prophet, gets instructions from God on how to build the temple, the house of God. Now stick with me for a little bit. If you read it, the measurement that he keeps being told when he says we build the house of God, the measurement that is used in that, in that text in ancient times was called the cubit. Now the cubit, for us lay folk who do not know what cubits are, are basically the, the, the culmination of six hands breaths. So if you put six hand breaths, they call it, if you get, this is real, true story, but if you get from the break of your arm to the top of your fingertip and you get your hand and you put there, it's, that, that is generally, unless you're some bit of a freak, they're generally six hands breaths. True story. Give it a try. Welcome to church. If not, we'll pray for your arm to lengthen afterwards or something. We'll do that. But usually that's what they did. So if you look in Genesis, now, Genesis when they're building the ark, they talk about cubits. Build the ark to this specifications according to the cubits. Because they didn't know, no measuring tape. So actually it's a common thing, one length of arm. And, and that word there for this area, from the tip of my fingers to the, the crook of my arm, is called the amah in, in the ancient language. A-M-M-A-H. And they call that the mother of the arm. This part from here to there is the mother of the arm. It's the place that creativity is birthed from. The place that where building is birthed from, from writing, from the things that you use, the, the place where you produce life from comes from this, this hand, this area, this length of the hand. And I always say, if that's the mother of the arm, this is the daddy. No, anyway, sorry. <laughs> Just a joke. Just a joke. But why are they saying they're saying this, this part of the arm, the cubit, is the, the source of man's ingenuity, the source of man's creativity, the, man's, uh, the source of man's ability and development. But it's so crazy when you get to Ezekiel 43, verse 13, when God is speaking to Ezekiel to build the house of the Lord, something of deep significance. He says, I want you to build it. These are the measurements. He said, I want you to build it according to these principles, the cubit plus a hand's breadth. So profound. He's saying, and everything else is measured by a cubit, a cubit, a cubit. He said, but the temple of the Lord, you may take the measurements of a, a cubit plus the seventh hand. The seventh hand. The seventh hand representing the thing that only God can do. When you've got to the end of your strength, add what God can do. Where you run out. That's what he's talking about here. And so profound, the seventh hand of God. John 15 talks about this. He says this way. Jesus says, apart from him, you can do nothing. Apart from God, you can do nothing. You can have all the ingenuity, creativity, but if you want to do something significant that will last into eternity, you can do nothing apart from Him. Now I want to say at this moment, you've done, maybe today you're sitting here, and maybe this is for one or two people. You've done everything you can in your own strength. You've done everything for your business. You've done the courses. You've done the, 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 you've the strategizing. You've done the vision statements. You've done the salaries. You've done this, but it just seems like you're hitting your head against the wall. You've done everything you can in your parenting, in your marriage, in your finances, in your emotions to conquer that addiction. And you're saying, I've done everything I can. But you feel like you're coming to the end of yourself. You're coming to the end of yourself, or should I say a better point? You're coming to a lid that just keeps knocking your head and you can't bring you have breakthrough to it. I want to say today, suggest to you, friends, today, we need to encounter the seventh hand of God. We need a revelation of what He can do. And what's so profound is that we, we, in the Old Testament, there's another prophet named Elijah. And it's an incredible moment where he's there and he's been, the nation has been in drought for a long time. And he's longing and he's been praying, God, would you bring your rain? And God says to him, 
go outside and have a look. And he goes and looks and he sees a day like today. Boom, beautiful. Not a cloud in the sky. He goes back and depressed, going, there's no rain coming. But God says, no, rain's coming. Go outside and look. Nope. No cloud in the sky. But the Bible tells us, the narrative tells us that eventually he goes out and looks outside and he sees in the far distance, a nation that has not known rain for, for ages. He looks in the far distance, he sees, and note this, a cloud that looked like the size of a man's fist. God started to move on. A nation that could not do anything to make it happen. The nation under Jezebel that was notorious for its ingenuity, ability to make things happen, creativity, but they could not make it rain. The hand of God started to move on their behalf. Let me tell you, I want to ask you, would you keep pursuing the presence of God? Point one, lid of expectation. Keep walking with the practices of God. Keep encircling the promises of God. Thirdly, keep pursuing the presence of God. I want to say it one more time. Why don't you say it as loud as you can to yourself. I'm not giving up. Come on, one more time. I'm not giving up. I really believe that because in, in Scripture, that numbers, the number six represents the number of man, the, our ability. And I'm not stretching into some numerology here. Don't worry, I'm not looking for things that are not there. But, but it, it represents the place where we get to our end. And I think too many people operate in their strength, in their ability, in their expectations of God, in their, in, in their response to opposition. I can take this much, but no more, God. They re, re, on their revelation, this is what God said, I'm going to stick with that. No, no, God said, I want to break you through the lids to a new level to respond to what He can do. Only number seven is a powerful number, and that gets us to the hero of our story named Jesus Christ. And Jesus is on the cross. He's mocked, he's beaten, his, he has nails in his hands and feet, he has crown of thorns on his head, he's hung up on a cross to die, and his breath is running out. He's almost, he's almost done. He's finished. It looks like in natural eyes that the number six, the man, is done. It looks in natural eyes that the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. It looks like it's done. But Jesus starts with his last breath, starts to declare things. He declares, firstly, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He declares, secondly, today you'll be with me in paradise, to the thief on his, on his left. Thirdly, he says, woman, behold your son. Behold, son, behold your mother, as he speaks to John and his mom. Fourthly, he declares, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Fifthly, he says, I thirst. Sixthly, he said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Thank God Jesus did not stop at six. The seventh and final saying of Jesus on the cross was this, it is finished. And in that moment, Jesus declared, the end of your striving is done. The start of my grace it's just starting to kick in. Let me tell you today, I thank Jesus that he did not stop at six. He pressed through and he said, it is finished. And he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. He began it. He called you, whether it was 10, 20 years ago or even since tonight. He is beginning a work. And he says, I'll be faithful to complete it. Not your ability, not your strength, not your finances, not your relationships, not your emotions, but his. If we lift the lid on life and lift our eyes towards Him. Let me say this today, life changes city. Individuals and as a family, would we keep immersing ourselves in the practices of God? Keep pitching up, keep serving, keep, keep tithing, keep giving, keep reading, keep praying, keep lifting our hands in songs. When they say, lift your hands, oh, I don't feel anything, but I'm going to keep lifting my hands because God is going to move. He says, at the right time, 
I'll bring a harvest. Would we keep encircling the promise? Keep walking around what God says. Don't doubt in the dark what He's revealed in the light. God, you said, God, you said, though I don't see it, I'm going to hold on to it. Would we also keep pursuing His presence, keep looking after Him, though, even though the world leaves us, even though everything falls apart, we say, I'm looking after you, God. I'm going after you. I'm going to keep going out until I see you move. Because I promise you on the back of this, we will see His power and the hand of breakthrough. Though 2020 has been really rough, though your addiction may be ravaging you, though your relationships may be in turmoil, though your kids may be incredibly far gone and you don't know what to do, though your emotions are frayed and wrecked and you have nothing left in your tank, I want to tell you today, he says this, but do not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time, the appointed time, God's time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. 